so you want to know about physio things. You got an injury, how do you do it? Uh, something you've been working through for a long time, or maybe you just want to perform your best without being injured. Well, my name is Phil White and I'm doing intro for the first time because I'm on my own. So get some questions in early on this episode and I'll do my best to answer them for you. Hey guys, just me sitting behind the table here, but we do have Richie the Rig behind the mic as well, behind the camera. Hi Richie. What's going on guys? Here he is. Welcome back to the show. The producer himself uh, is, is here as well. So a uh, bit of a different episode today. Um, there's a lot going on in the gym at the moment, so I am, um, yeah, I've left Rad to his own devices and Yanni's got a lot to get on with, so we're doing a, a good old fashioned Q&A. Oh, good old days, hey, that's what we always used to do. The Physio Wednesdays, was it? No, no, we had some Physio Wednesdays in there, I think. We're even on a Tuesday, I think. Thursday's maybe the only day we haven't done a, a, a Q&A special. So, maybe next uh, week, huh? <laughs> one day. Take it off. A guy can dream. Uh, but yeah, anyway, this is, I think, a good opportunity for um, some of the listed. There's been a couple of posts on the UMS Movement Mastermind yep. um, group, and we've put those into a little document to get through. And uh, otherwise, if you are watching live, um, get any physio or even like sports science related stuff like my degrees in um, exercise sports science and then doctor physiotherapy so uh, I know a thing or two we've been training a lot and so is Rich so we'll um, do the best we can to help you out but just remember that this doesn't uh, an online Q&A does not equal uh, medical advice this isn't a uh, consultation where I've done things with you so please make sure you do seek medical advice if you're listening to the show or watching the show live and you have some questions, drop them in the chat uh, and we'll answer them live for you. Yeah, I'll just say hi. It's a big table. I'm down here on my own. So it's nice to get some, uh, get some uh, names popping up in the comment section. So we'd love to hear from you. Cool. Shall we start with the first one? Yeah, let's do it. Simon Coppola. I'd like to ask for some advice, please. I have joined a martial arts class and I'm very stiff in fear of getting injured. I'd like to ask for advice on which program I should be purchasing elements of mobility programming or is there another program I should be doing instead? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Cheers. So he wants to pre- prevent injury through the mobility. What do you reckon, Phil? Is that a good way of going about it? I think it's such a good general one to get started with because it really gets to part of um, a rant that I love to have. And so any chance I get to have a big rant here is uh, always fun for me because no one can stop me at this table. But but, but basically, people always think, and and rightly and understandably, and, you know, what I used to think as well, but, like, that stiffness equals, like the answer to stiffness is always you need to do more flexibility and mobility. Now, while that is um, totally understandable and, and sensible, um, I think people often misunderstand why we get stiff and what the best approach is. Because when you think about why something gets stiff and why muscles um, go into spasm and contract um, and why you get unable to access certain ranges of motion, um, so the Often the case is that the muscle just isn't quite conditioned to actually go into that range. It hasn't got the strength and endurance and control to um, go into that range of motion because we've, as we've talked a lot about with flexibility before, um, flexibility is so much a neurological uh, factor. It, it's, it's, it can does your body 
trust you going into this range of motion. So flexibility is a great, and mobility is a, uh, training is a great way of accessing that range of motion. But if you aren't getting elements of um, strength and building up strength endurance, then you're leaving a lot on the table. So with this as well, like when you think about um, why the body would get stiff, um, if you think about like your back muscles, imagine if you uh, had a big day of training, you've you've done a lot of deadlifts and back extensions and um, all of that, and then you, maybe you've gone out for um, a, or maybe you've been sitting at your desk and you're sort of just slumped into a position, your back's just getting sore and tired, and then you go do something that's, you know, you help your, um, your parents move house in the evening. And so you, you put your back under a lot of um, load throughout that day. Now, if you get, if you think about the, the muscles of your back, if they, uh, when they got totally fatigued, were just like, nah, I'm piecing out. I'm going to just like turn, switch off, turn off. Um, that would be really dangerous for uh, the spinal cord. So the, basically the, what the body does when fatigued is instead of going what we do and, you know, you go to sleep and go <laughs> and relax, the body will do something separate, which is, is really lock into position and, and stop movement. So then a lot of people think like, oh, I'm really stiff and sore. Um, I'm going to aggressively stretch to try and undo some of that stiffness. But really what you're doing is your body's saying, hey, I don't want to access this range of motion right now. I haven't got the, the strength and capacity to deal with it. And you're like, nah, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to push myself into extreme range of motion. And I've talked about plenty of times before, the range of motion variable is one that is so common for causing pain and injury. So um, that's just a bit of a, a, a background on this um, rant and why I think that while I love that you're being proactive about dealing with your stiffness and I think that you know the mobility programs are excellent for that, I just want to make sure that you're realizing that um, building up strength, load capacity um, and muscular endurance and control is so 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 important for um for mobility what do you reckon rich 100 percent agree next question uh just quickly on that on yep. that program just to give him some sort of actionable advice on um on which program would maybe be better uh there's a reason why with the ums program which is what the guys do at the gym um so what the unity members um do in the gym is a is a balance of um strength flexibility and fitness and so the nice thing about that is your um your it's making sure you do get plenty of flexibility training in there when you're doing an upper body strength uh strength day you're doing lower body mobility and when you're doing lower body mobility you're doing uh strength you're doing upper body mobility so um pairing it together is a great idea and then getting some fitness in there um making sure you're cardiovascularly fit as well provides a really great metabolic um condition for your whole system to be in and when you're um metabolic system is in a good place then that lowers systemic inflammation and all these other things that can cause that feeling of stiffness but just to be very specific about your case as well you're saying you recently joined oh you yeah it sounds like you recently joined a martial arts class and and this is a really common time when we see people get injured is when you're starting something new so um the what we're going to do is just start to build up some conditioning build up some strength and mobility so you um and weave that into your martial arts but if you try and add everything all at once and go from zero to hundred, that's where you're going to get um, stiff and injured. So really just gradually build your way up into, um, yeah, uh, athletic body. Cool. Awesome. 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 And guys, if you are watching live, get a, uh, let us know who you are and get a question in early so we have time to answer it. Next question, please, Rich. Right, next question, LJ Flippin. Is it better to run on, 
or sprint on asphalt and concrete during high-intensity training exercises. Uh, and I did see that you did provide a bit of an answer for it, which yep. um, was good at the time. And yeah, I think it's a um, a really great answer. And, and so often the answer for what's like when just trying to decide what's best and that is yeah. it depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so do you want to run through your initial answer? Do you have it? Yeah, yeah. so I think I answered the question along the lines of um, depends what your goals are with running and everything. Uh, like there's a bit of a trade-off whenever you're running on different surfaces when it comes to a soft surface versus a hard surface. What are your limitations? Some people um, should some people should avoid high-impact things because of you know injuries and whatnot. So obviously running on the harder surfaces might not be the answer. If you want to um, you know condition the muscles in your feet and, and things like that, then soft surfaces like sand is really good for that. Um, but yeah, what, what were you thinking, Phil? Yeah, I think um, you know you, you're you're spot on there. There are pros and cons to different types of surfaces, and um, there's there are times when, um, but the, I guess the biggest thing that is probably trumps what type of surface you're running on is your programming and and how um, you basically build up into doing um, what you want to be doing. So this is probably going to sound similar to yeah the last question as well, um, but. It's, it's just so key for people to understand with injuries, like you, your body will adapt to what you spend your time doing, but if you try and um, go from zero to 100 and do too much too fast, that's when injuries happen because you don't give yourself that chance to adapt. What we want to try and do is like with progressive overload is like push up to a threshold, um, try and that stimulus will then give, um, will, will be the catalyst for a response and an adaptation. But if we go too far beyond that threshold and go above a certain buffer and the buffer will be bigger um, or smaller depending on um, partly your training age which is you know how experienced you are with um, that particular type of training it'll also be some metabolic factors it'll be um, age will play into it um, a whole series of different um, factors will play into that how big your buffer is but basically if you go over that buffer that's where injuries start happens so that could be um, you know you you try and run too hard too fast and um, yep. hammy, or you might develop an Achilles tendinopathy or um, start to cause like your joints aren't conditioned to impact yet and you can um, you know cause some issues there I guess you could say the same thing with like soft ground like um, if you go straight into doing saying running on the sand oh, too early you, yeah it's just like it so that people often say like oh you know don't run on concrete because it's it's mm. high impact but um, you know impact is a, a wonderful stimulus that will like create a really important response for um, increasing bone mineral density and um, also for conditioning your um, cartilage and joints to um, build up uh, strength and, and, and condition over time. But at the same token, like uh, just because like, the ground might be soft, that might be like, oh, great, it's low impact. But man, it is so challenging for your stability muscles when you're running on um, soft ground and especially if you're doing barefoot sand running where your intrinsic foot muscles so the muscles within the foot itself um will have to work very hard um and when they haven't been working hard for most of your lifetime living in shoes that can be a real shock and people can get um, all sorts of foot pain but plantar um, fasciopathy so plantar heel pain is one of the most um common things that people like um you might have heard plantar fasciitis different names for it but um yeah that's a really common one for people who haven't got the foot conditioning to be able to deal with um, soft sand or um, barefoot running and then your Achilles because when you're running in 
barefoot, you don't have a raised heel at all. Often running shoes will have a bit of a raised heel and that really deloads the Achilles. So going from running in um, on uh, hard ground in a heel, a slight heel to soft ground on a um, on with no heel, uh, that will really... It, that will create a lot of load and a lot of stimulus for your Achilles and almost certainly unless you are really smart about it will exceed that buffer and cause um, some injury. So with everything running um, and pretty much everything training, like you just want to gradually expose yourself, make sure you respect recovery times and um, and gradually build up. But I think ideally, like if you... Um, it, it When choosing what kind of um, surface you're working with, it's basically like... Do you have a specific goal in mind for um, a sport or an activity? So if you are doing something like, um, I know, uh, a sprinting sport, American football, uh, rugby, whatever, then do you do the work on grass because that's the, yeah. the medium which you're going to be working with. If you're doing, I know, maybe if you're doing Asheville and concrete, then something like a, a CrossFit Games or something where you're yeah. <laughs> running on that hard ground. If you're playing beach volleyball like I do, um, then doing your sprint training in that context is going to condition yourself for that context. So, and if you're not working on any goal in particular, just to get fit and get better at running, what do you what do you reckon? What have you got access to? Yeah, I think the biggest up? thing for exercise is whatever is convenient. So, if, if there's concrete outside your house, but it's a half an hour drive to get to a nice patch of grass to run on or sand, then mm. do the thing that you'll be able to do consistently because that's mm. going to give you the best results and that's going to condition your body to a response. So don't worry about the impact too much to your joints. You well, reckon? the thing is, like, impact is good. Yeah. Like, I hate that um, people think that impact is bad. And yeah. it's just like with anything. It's like it's like saying weight is bad. It's yeah. like saying, um, you know, too much flexibility is bad. It's like yeah. it's it's a variable that gives us stimulus. And yeah. if we go too heavy on that stimulus, then you're going to get a bad result. Yeah. But if we go too light on that stimulus, then we don't condition our body to it. And impact is so key. Um, and with the state of the aging population and the prevalence of yeah. bone mineral density issues um, and joint um, like arthritis being one of um, one of the most common reasons why people get hip replacements or, or actually well the bigger thing in working in aged care um, rehab was like people would end up in hospital and usually lose their independence because they fall over and break their hip. If they had a higher bone mineral density, then they that same fall wouldn't, and if they had the muscle mass around it, like that wouldn't have caused a broken hip and they could have stayed independent for longer. But because that bone has realized like, hey, I haven't had much impact in the last 30 years, I guess I don't need to be so dense. So I'm going to leach those, um, you know, the the calcium in the bones and the other um, minerals in the bones to go elsewhere. But if we like can gradually, um, you know, if we can, sensibly and gradually increase your tolerance to impact and that's actually going to be a really positive stimulus it's called wolf's law that um is what stimulates bone growth and it you need impact you can't like resistance training isn't as good as like actual like hard impact so that's just my little impact there you go there you go but again anything like too much of anything is going to overload the system and and cause response so all right, we're on to next. Chase Cantrell. All right, my right foot is flat and it causes me very bad ankle pain. Maybe getting really flexible within eighteen with the eighteen minute uh, stretching routine will help fix it. Question mark. Also, what should I get after I get pretty good at the eighteen minute stretching routine? Thank you. 
Ah, it's the uh, flexibility um, solves everything. Yes, the magical cure-all. My, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly right. Like it's, uh, and the reason we're kind of laughing at this is because it, it, as I started with the first question, like it does come up so much, and it, it, it does fascinate me that like flexibility has got this sort of yeah this sort of status as the thing that will fix all injuries. And if you think about what's happening when a foot is flat, so part of it's going to be just like a genetic thing. I have really flat feet. Um, genetically that kind of cutly comes down to just like bone shape partly it'll come down to like um, uh, how naturally lax or taut your ligaments are to provide a passive structure there um, and part of it will be going to be around the muscles that actually control your um, feet and how um, active they are in maintaining an arch um, part of it's going to be structural higher up so if your knees cave like if your knees knock in because you've got weak hips as well or your hip shape is such that you're generally a bit knock need that's going to create a up the chain reason for flat feet um so when thinking about all of that like there's no reason like when you think about flexibility that's all about pushing to ends of ranges it's not and at the moment you're in an end range position so what we want to do is be able to control a mid-range position and that comes from getting strong um and often people forget that you um the feet can get strong because they don't you know it's something you don't usually um, train uh, intentionally but for someone like yourself and someone like myself who has very flat feet that have caused me issues in the past um, it's so important to do like have some intentional um, an intentional plan about how you get your feet strong so I did see that there was a Facebook um, uh, there's a YouTube video linked to you which I think was from I think it's from another podcast or is an old YouTube series about how to um, strengthen up the feet um, with specific exercises. So definitely follow that up and um, and do have a look just generally on um, YouTube. You can find plenty of intrinsic foot muscle strengthening things. But also uh, we're really keen on training barefoot in at Unity Gym because it's a great way of um, when you don't have shoes to do all the support um, in your feet, you the muscles have to have to do a bit of work and that's a nice way of like gradually exposing yourself to um uh different um movements without shoe support um also walking around barefoot as much as you can is is a really nice option um if you can and if you've like um the thing that often is done for flat feet is wearing orthotics and now there are certainly times when orthotics are appropriate and talk to a good podiatrist about um, when that is, but I repeat good podiatrist because some will just get, you know, orthotic no matter what. And I've done rants on other shows about that, but, um, I used to wear orthotics for years and years and years. And I got to the point where if I didn't wear them, my feet would just hurt and I couldn't do anything, even like walk down a beach because it was so painful. Um, and so the really key thing to understand is that you like the orthotics are a tool that should like facilitate you training and exercising and getting to a point where you're not reliant on them unless it's a very serious um type of foot flattening that is not the the norm um but yeah what i did was basically i mean i, I went a bit too hard too early and got into barefoot running but um what we'd recommend is yeah start spending more time barefoot start um training barefoot and then doing some specific foot exercises with again just like with every other strength stimulus you want to give stimulus and then recovery so don't do it every day um start to build up that intrinsic foot strength and that will help now doing the 18 minute uh, stretching routine is going to be a nice thing that you can do while barefoot and doing that will 
like indirectly <laughs> be a good option but um yeah I'd, I'd really focus on um a bit more specific strengthening now the other thing as i talked about before with the there's controllables and uncontrollables, so you can't change um your genetic bone shape or how taut or lax your ligaments are but with the um hip and knee control that is certainly something that you can um control and and improve so working on single leg balance um, working on lateral uh, hip stability um, and especially when it comes to uh, function and then like functionally translating that so if you do any walk like sports or running or walking or I don't know gymnastics learning how to like land in a good hip and knee position um, then that's kind of going to be the progression there but yeah that's quite a lot for, for that what do you think about that Rich makes sense anything yeah, to yeah. add I think, uh, mate, if your goal is flexibility, um, the 18-minute stretching routine is just a starter, just a taste yep. of what flexibility um, training that we, we offer. Um, jumping into any of the other routines and programs is any choice, any option is going to be a good one. Yep. Flexibility masterclass, the 18-minute mobility routine, 18-minute flexibility routines, a bunch of them, any of them that you choose is going to benefit you. Yeah, so like if your plan is to get flexible because you want to get flexible, definitely do it and go on that journey. It's a wonderful journey and there's been some amazing results um, from people training Same with the strength gym. Routines. If you want to add a little bit of strength, you know, upper body, lower body strength routine to yeah. your day, any of the programs we sell is going to be great for you, mate. Yeah, so definitely if you want to get stretching for the sake of stretching and being flexible, do it. If you if your only reason that you want to get flexible is to fix this ankle pain, then you're gonna be really disappointed because it almost certainly won't fix your ankle pain. You've got to build up strength, strength, um, and the specific foot foot strength, not just a general program. So hope that is helpful. Cool. Yeah. So the next question is from Dean Weber. He's asking. I'm just gonna make this a little bit shorter because the question goes on a little bit. He's basically asking um, when you've got when, in regards to um, full range of motion training. Um, you've got bodybuilders that take their joints to full range of motion. Um, and if full range of motion resistance training is physiologically equivalent to eccentric loaded stretching, then why isn't there um, more flexible bodybuilders? I'm pretty sure that's more or less what he's trying to say with his question. Yeah, so this comes um, off the back of, we were talking on a podcast recently about flexibility and loaded stretching and and that strength through range and especially doing loaded um eccentrics is um, a great way to get flexible and quite different from yep. the old school passive stretching approach and then dean popped up with this comment yeah he's also asked um uh, if one trains full range of motion with load is supplementary stretching flexibility work on the same muscle group redundant and I would say it's not redundant, um, definitely not. Um, do you want to go first, Phil? Um, yeah. Okay. So with the um, so looking at bodybuilders, um, that's true. Like it's really common to see uh, most bodybuilders will uh, be some of the stiffest people you'll ever see. There are some there are mm -hmm. some um, exceptions to that rule, like Juju Mufu is a an internet favorite of yep. someone who is jacked and incredibly flexible. Um, but yeah, he's definitely not the norm um and so yeah looking at this idea between uh end range strength loaded eccentrics versus 
what a typical bodybuilder will do. Um, bodybuilders, you're right, do spend a lot of time in the eccentric phase. Um, the whole with bodybuilding, if you're not too aware of the approach, it's it's all about sort of time under tension um, with bodybuilding. So basically, keeping the muscle under tension, um, which would mean slowing down your eccentric, um, not pausing, keeping um, and and generally a slower concentric is quite common in bodybuilding compared to yep. something like powerlifting or Olympic lifting. Um, though there is some debate about bar speed and muscle hypertrophy, but that's a debate we don't need to go into. Um, but that's the like that time under tension is really key. So often you'll see as well like there'll be things like supersets, giant sets, where you're basically doing like um, working on the same muscle group like one after another to really get a high level of fatigue in a long period of time, time under tension, which is definitely more um, Richie's domain. If you've been seeing the photos of him recently, then <laughs> then uh, old endurance runner over of me over here. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's like the common bodybuilding approach is definitely lots of time under tension. Um, but what is probably more common in bodybuilding is really like, although they like, I, usually when I say bodybuilders train, they're not necessarily yep. spending lots of time in the outer range. They're doing a yep. lot of inner range training. Right, so yeah. what outer yep. and inner range training means is basically if you're doing a bicep curl and my arm is straight and especially because it crosses the shoulder, um, if it's in an extended position, that's going to be the bicep at its longest range. So yep. um, it's that's the outer range. And then when we look at inner range, if I go into elbow flexion, so bringing my um, hand up to my shoulder and then also lifting my elbow up so my shoulder's in flexion, that's going to be when all the muscle fibers are at their shortest. Yep. And so, I, I yeah. would argue that most bodybuilders don't go to full range. Yes. Like when I think at the top of my head, I only know a few bodybuilders that are really flexible. Ben Pukowski is one. Yeah. He's like elite level, but he's the only one that I can really think of that is highly flexible and incredibly massive, you know. And exactly right. And that's what Dean's saying. He's like, why aren't more um, bodybuilders, um, you know, really flexible? And that is because most bodybuilders will be spending most of their time in, in a range. And mm. yeah, it's such a like. Yeah. And uh, you also have to think of like, um, I mean, range of motion is only one little element to what makes a person more flexible, really. Like the whole intention of what you're doing in your exercise and in your workout matters greatly. In a bodybuilder's mindset, he's after you know muscle fatigue, muscle damage, like pumping out as many reps as he can while still lifting a relatively challenging weight. Um, whereas someone that's after flexibility, their whole goal is more range, more range, more range. You know, so I, I think it's what you're doing, what you're telling the nervous system to do, what you're telling the body to do, repetition time after time. Like it's very different. Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, like one thing is intention behind it, but what he's saying is like if yeah. we're saying that going slow eccentric through range makes you more flexible that he thinks that's what that resembles what bodybuilders do but um i think that yeah yeah it 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 does come down to like most body like bodybuilders won't be spending time in like loaded end range yeah um like out especially especially out of range like that's just not Not how their their training looks and exactly and and they're really um it, it does look if you look at a bodybuilding program versus what we uh, suggested with our um with like the programs here with the loaded um stretching it you can just by watching you can see that there's a very big difference between doing like a loaded isometric and doing a superset of um you know pec wise yeah. so um i'll tell you one thing though going to like if you're doing a romanian deadlift um 
and you're keeping your knees straight and you're bending well through your hips and not too much through your lower back, you will improve flexibility, no doubt. I mean, I'm a good example of that. I I did basically no stretching um, before my time here working with Rad and Yanni, and but, but I did do Romanian deadlifts and I did do that loaded. So I did develop a good level of flexibility just doing those movements, but like compared to like, you know, truly flexible people, it's nothing, you know? Yeah. And it's it's a it's a big limiting factor when you're lifting weights going to that extended bar range like you won't be able to lift as much and you know that's kind of contradicts what you're trying to do when you're trying to build strength and uh and muscle sizes you want to be trying to lift that heavy weight as many times as possible if that end range is stopping you from doing that that's a limitation so 100 percent. and so yeah what you'll see is with bodybuilders like um often because the end range is the hardest part of the lift they'll start to like not go towards that that outer range because they won't be able to continue getting that like enough time on attention so they'll often sort of even shorten and stay out of that um that end range to to stop it and so with and remember with flexibility so much of it is that neurological um part of it where you're basically building you're trying to build like a subconscious trust of your body that it can handle certain ranges of motion and, and that takes being like relaxed and you know, even when you're doing like a loaded isometric, you're trying to find this like piece at that end range. Whereas like a bodybuilder, as we said, won't be pausing in range. They'll be, if they're even getting there, they'll be kind of quickly moving through it. So it's just a very different um, stimulus. And so with the bonus question, if if one trains full ROM with load, is supplementary stretching flexibility or the work on the same muscle group redundant? Um, and again, it depends on like if you were to say, do train with full ROM with load and spend time in that like end range, then you'd be closer towards stretching flexibility work. But if you're doing, if you're really like not even pausing and getting straight out of there, then the flexibility won't be the same. But uh, the takeaway is no, it's not redundant. Like there's a diff- very different intent behind it. Here's yep. rad. Uh, we're just finishing up the questions here. Um, we've got Steve. Um, but thanks for your yeah we love like feedback on um, what we say in the in the session so good on you Dean um, and just before we do finish up we've got Stephen Pellegrino um, watching live and he said how does end range strength relate to tendon strength is the shortened range of strength equal to compression strength and must it entail cramping great question Steve but why didn't you ask it earlier we've run out of time so <laughs> um, uh, hey, we can always answer that on the UMS online coaching because that's what do. we're going to be swapping over And Stephen is a member. Um, but what we might do is, so um, Android strength relate to tendon strength. Um, yeah, tendon strength is going to be a like limiting factor for strength. If your tendons can't handle it, then there's going to be problems. Oh, I don't, this is a big question. And, I, and Rad looks like he wants to get started in this online coaching. So maybe we'll leave that for the next physio Q&A. Definitely. How about that? Yeah, Steve, I told you at the beginning, get your questions in early. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, anyone listening to the show, tuning in live or listening to it after, if you want your questions answered, um, get them in and we'll yep. have them up for the next Q&A. But let's just ask Rad quickly, does uh, and does short and range uh, compression strength always entail cramping? Do you ever get to the point where it stops cramping? Absolutely. Get your mic. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, you do. 
yes, one day. It, so it, it does stop it. cramping eventually. The body adapts to what you spend your time doing. Yeah. Fucking sucks. The journey is long. But and there's the explicit tag. We nearly got away with it and then Rad had to walk in and make us put that explicit tag. Um, it sucks, but it you get there eventually, yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for tuning in. Fun to have a chat with you, Rich. No Mysterious worries. rig behind the behind the camera. Good to be on the show. With a smooth voice. And um, yeah, we'll see you again tomorrow.